Okay, Eddie Gonzalez has left the room, so that means we get started. All right. So who's got some examples? We have our six reasons why a person might be hostile, follower of another religion, devoted to another belief system, former Christian who's left the faith, deep wounds from the church or Christian people, deep wounds from suffering, and deep wounds from sin. Anybody have any examples they'd like to share when they've seen this as reality? All right, let's move on to what do we do with hostiles? We kind of paint a picture of where they come from, of what would kind of make them that way, uh, of how that works. But So where do we go? Now, the question we have to ask again is, what is our goal with hostiles? What are we trying to make happen? One of the things I want just for us to, to think differently about evangelism is that when we're dealing with hostile people, it's not like, hey, let's, let's come in in this 30 minutes I have with them, or let's, you know, this, this one time that I have, and, and I want to make them come to faith and believe in Jesus and all that kind of stuff, and it's just... Again, it's proposing on the first day. It's too much too soon. It's, it's not, don't misunderstand me, the Holy Spirit can do, do when it wants. And I'm sure some of us may have amazing stories. But in just the reality and the research, it's not necessarily a realistic thing to expect a hostile person to anytime soon come to faith. And so what is our goal? What do we want to do? Now, I'm going to give you what I think is the answer here. And what I want you to notice is this is the answer for every single stage. Because our goal with every person, if we look at kind of what we learn from the spiritual spectrum, our goal is to get them closer to Jesus. That's the deal with every person we encounter. Believer or unbeliever. Hostile to the faith or devoted follower of Jesus for decades. Our goal is always to get them closer to Jesus. And so when we deal with a hostile person, that's what we're trying to do. In where they're at and in their situation and in their story, to do what's necessary to get them closer. Now, how much closer is going to depend on the person and the situation. But that's our goal, and that's what we're looking to happen. So, how do we do that? Here's some just basic strategies. Some basic things that we want to do with hostile people. One, find common ground with that person wherever you can. Like, where, and another way to say this is, what can you do to have a positive conversation with this person? where you talk about something, a topic, and they enjoy the conversation, and you enjoy the conversation, and it ends with everyone being generally happy with what just happened. That would be a way to find common ground. So let's, let's talk about that. How do we do this? I mean, this isn't just like dealing with hostile people. This is people's skills and uh, how we have conversations and how we do that. What are some ways that we make that happen? Yeah. You know, just funny things, uh, comical, and this sort of thing. Or, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch them a beach ball in, in, in the light area that they, can, that they talk about. It, that if I see here talking about, you know, they're really interested in, you know, I don't know anything about cars. They're interested about cars. I'll ask what's your favorite kind of car. And, and they take it anyway. Right. Some good things there. Let's, let's pull on that a little bit. One is just the general strategy of asking questions. People love talking about themselves. We are our own favorite topics. And so um, that's just, again, general people skills, which a lot of this kind of is, is getting them to, to talk about themselves, to, to the things they do. So there's so many ways and strategies that we can make that happen. Uh, asking them something funny is, is one. Uh, one of my favorites is asking about the weekend, because the weekend either just happened or is happening soon. 
And so depending on what day of the week, you're like, how was your weekend or what are you doing this weekend? I mean, it's just something that's always happening and always occurring and you can kind of pull on that and pull on a thread. Uh, a simple one that's not necessarily great, but it's an easy opener is to talk about the weather because the weather's always happening. It's always a thing. It's either always hot or cold or beautiful or not or you know, something. There's always a topic that you can kind of get the ball rolling and <laughs> grease the wheels a little bit. That's always there. One of the things that, that he mentioned you want to pull on is to study the person. Because people generally, generally reveal their interests. What are some ways that people reveal their interests? Yeah, you hear their conversation. Uh, you hear them talking. People talk about things they like. We talked last week about how everyone is an instinctual evangelist. We always share what we think is good. Yeah, so look at their cars. Cars is a great one. Uh, not everybody does that, but some people, they, they put what's important to them on their cars through bumper stickers and decals and flags and, and all that kind of stuff. Clothing is a huge one. You want to look for clothing, they'll put bands, they'll put cartoon characters, they'll put movies, they'll put sports teams, things that they like and things that they care about. They'll wear on their clothing. Sometimes that's t-shirts, sometimes that's jewelry, sometimes that's jackets. Pay attention to what they dress and how they do that, because they're going to reveal the things that they like. Where else do we reveal the things that we like? Places we go. Places we go. OK, so if you see them at a certain restaurant, or you see them you know, visiting a city, or you know, social media is a great way. I'm not saying go you know, Facebook stalk people. But if you're going to Facebook stalk people, Facebook stalk people for Jesus. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Mark Zuckerberg put the resources there, put them to use for Jesus. Redeem that mess in any way you can and uh, find out some stuff about them. You know, figure out where they like. Where else do we show what we like? So um, when we get back from the break, uh, Emily's going to be teaching the class from this point forward <laughs> because that was one of the best summaries of how to deal with a hostile person I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, that's it. Yeah. If we get my mic is up here today instead of all that. I don't, I don't know how much of that we caught. Yeah, but I hope that was it, because, yeah, that's, that's everything, she's, everything she just said. Is it's like, you know, and that story of, of a person that you had a relationship with and you were close to and they fell away from faith. And, yeah, all the things that used to connect you and all of your shared experiences, she used a great word there, are triggers now. They're things that trigger that pain and that grief and all that deep, nasty emotion that's in them that led to them making these decisions and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, what the heck do we talk about now? Actually, and finding ways to rebuild that and finding ways to have shared experiences. And notice everything she talked about was just relation stuff. It's just investing in this person because you care so deeply about them and you love them that you're willing to do that no matter how slow this process is, no matter how long it takes. She, she talked about waiting for the moment that they're ready to share stuff. So much of evangelism comes down to patience. And that's what gets me so frustrated with strategies that are impatient. Because it's like, what are you, what are you trying to do here? Sorry? A lot of prayer that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she didn't mention that, but I know Emily well enough to know prayer was at the center of all these kind of things and all that. Did you have something? My mom and I, like my mom is hostile, kind of, or was. Um, and when I became a Christian, then I was working towards being closer to Jesus, and I was losing common ground with 
her. Mm. So I was like simultaneously becoming, trying to get closer to Jesus, but yeah. also becoming with yeah. Him. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting dynamic. Of how, as you come closer to Jesus, you pull further away from them. Yeah. But again, we're wanting to find common ground. Some other ways that we can look for common ground with people, uh, especially if you're thinking of like a coworker environment. You know, we have, we have little workstations of some kind. We have desks, we have offices. People just naturally put their personality in those things. You know, pay attention to like the pictures on their desk, family and friends and all that kind of stuff. See if there's any paraphernalia or souvenirs or, or anything like that. That can not just be workstations or desks or offices, that can be lockers, that can be all this kind of stuff. People just, People tell their own story in a lot of different ways. And so learn to study people, learn to pay attention, learn to look for those details. And it's important to know is it doesn't matter if you know anything about those things. Like if you see some weird, I picked on Harry Potter before, you see some weird Harry Potter thing, it doesn't matter if you know anything about those books or not, because both work. If you do know things, then you know how to have like insider conversations where you're like, oh yeah, I like this thing, or I'm that, or all that kind of stuff, and they're like, oh, and then, you know, it's, it's a thing. If you don't know, then play on that ignorance. Be like, what is that? And if they, if they love that thing, they're going to stop non-talk, non talk non-stop about it. Like, if that's something they're passionate about, they love, just ask them, like, I, I'm curious, I've seen this thing, I have no idea what that is. Can you explain that to me? Like, what is that? Just play on your ignorance and play you don't and ask the questions of someone who doesn't understand because they'll love to tell you because we're all natural evangelists for things that we love. And so, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you understand it or know it or anything like that. Play on either side. If you know it, have insider conversations. If you don't know it, pretend you're an idiot and then they'll love to teach you because that's what we do with stuff we love. Yeah. Everyone loves food. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason. There's, it's no accident that when... The one thing Jesus told us as a body to do was eat together. Food draws people close. Use that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get on that one, yeah. But uh, common ground is what we want to do. Figure out what those are. We'll get to listening here in just a second. Number two, all of this work and all this kind of stuff that happened and everything Emily talked about is you're laying the foundation for a genuine friendship. That's what relational discipleship is, is a genuine care and love and concern, and all those are sum, uh, summarizing friendship that you're going to have with this person. We don't evangelize projects. People's, people are not notches on our belt that we, you know, soul one. That these are people we're going to invest with, and we're going to walk with, and we're going to you know, put our lives into. And so that's what you're doing here. This is not quick. This is not efficient. This requires incredible patience and investment. And that's what you're doing with all this stuff. It's laying the foundations for real, genuine friendship where they know that you're not trying to trick them into something, but they know that you genuinely and deeply care. That's what we do with all this stuff. Here we go, ready? We got the listening part. Be prepared to listen Love and answer. So, yeah. 90% of getting someone to like you is learning to ask good questions and then shut up afterwards. That's like 90% of it. I, I remember, I don't remember where this was, but someone was showing us this old, like, 
It was from the 1950s, so it had that kind of veneer and, and, and style and everything like that. Of, it, was, it was advice to young men on how to get girls to like you. And that was kind of the first thing they said, is ask good questions and then shut up. Because they said, women will love you if you get them to talk about themselves. <laughs> and so it was just kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, you know, have five questions that you ask every person. You know. Yeah, yeah, they can, they can. God, God made women especially smart. So, um, you know, you, you, you want to be able to listen well. So active listening, I'm, I'm blanking. Active listening, tell us how to do it. So much of, of good evangelism is just return on investment, that you've invested in this person so long, love and trust and genuine friendship are built. Amen. So when the deeper times of sharing and of, and of pain and of hurt and all this kind of stuff, you get your chance to love because you've earned that right over a period of time. And part of that is answering as well because questions, you ask them a ton of questions on this stage and eventually over a long enough period of time, they're going to ask questions to you because there's real genuine friendship and love and trust and relationship there. And you gotta be prepared to have an answer. I mean, that's biblical. Have an answer for the hope that you have. Be ready to do that. Active listening would uh, contain reflective speaking where you listen mm. and say, so I understand you said. This yeah. is what you said, oh, I understand that. So it would be reflective yep. as well. Kind of repeat back the emotions they're giving to you. If they tell you something hard, you say, that sounds really hard. Or if they tell you something painful, you say, that sounds really painful. It's just, yeah, repeating the emotions that they are giving to you. Uh, all that kind of stuff opens up doors further. And think of these things like destinations on a journey that began months earlier. And it could be the beginning of that journey was, yeah, a conversation about some little Harry Potter trinket or some football team or the upcoming weekend. Like that's where that journey began. 
And with all that investment and all that shared experience and all that trust that was built, eventually you get to the deeper things that open up hearts and souls. If opportunity arises, and that's why there's a big if, because especially with hostile people, this may or may not happen. Don't set up expectations. But if the opportunity arises, be prepared to tell your story. Um, our Christianese for this is your testimony. We'll get into this later, but there's two kinds of testimonies. There's the capital T testimony, which is like, this is how I came to faith in Jesus, and this is how it's changed my life. You've got to have that down in like two minutes or less. Practice it. Work on it with your spouse or friend or roommate or whatever. And then you have your lowercase t testimony, which is Jesus helped me in this situation, the specific thing that I dealt with, that maybe they understand because they're dealing with a similar emotion. It doesn't have to be the same story. It doesn't have to be we went through this exact moment, but we went through the same emotion of this little thing, and this is what Jesus did for me. And that's hugely important with hostile people because your story can't be debunked. Like, it's your story. They can't be like, you didn't experience that. You didn't feel that. Like, that's not how, that's not how stories work. Stories are unassailable, as long as you're telling the truth. <laughs> and so, um, stories are especially important with hostile people because it's, they, can't, they can't pick that apart. They can pick about your belief system and your religious structure and your doctrine and all that kind of thing, but they can't do that with your story. And so, there's times where this is appropriate and there's times where it's not. A lot of time it's the end of like, they are asking you to tell their, your story. They're saying, have you ever dealt with this? What would you do in this situation? You know, those stories have to, especially with hostile people, have to be invited. And that's not necessarily going to happen, but it's something to be ready for. Let me give you a couple of don'ts. Don't engage in their criticism and insults, because that's how hostile people react. That's what they do. That's what makes them hostile. It's criticism and insults. Don't engage in those things. There's nothing to be won. And so you got to let it roll off your back. You've got to learn to deflect. You've got to learn to laugh it off in a lot of cases because engaging in, that, in their hostile emotions and their hostile reactions and their criticisms and all that kind of stuff, there's nothing to be gained there. Uh, I know you're angry and it hurts and it makes you upset, but there's nothing to be gained. And then the second one is don't engage in debate. They're not in a situation because of some intellectual, logical thing. Most hostility comes from deep places of hurt and pain that are heart issues, not head issues. They may come out as head issues, but that's not the way back in. And so, as much as they may try to debate you and engage you in these things, because that's part of them working out why they believe what they believe now. Um, again, there's nothing to be won there. You're not going to change their mind by some logical argument. That's not what we're dealing with here. That's not our environment right now. And so there's nothing to be won from that. So learn to deflect, learn to get around it, all that kind of stuff, because it's not going to be helpful. Um, <clears throat> let me give you a, a, a really bad example of how to do evangelism to hostiles, can I? Uh, when I was doing research on this topic and all this kind of stuff, I came across this uh, website that was like evangelism strategies and... Uh, I won't give you the website's name because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but that website was great about how not to do some stuff. <laughs> and here's one of their examples on how to deal with hostiles. They say uh, they're trying to like engage in debate and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that's really small. I'll read it out. They say, for example, we might say to a skeptic who is appalled by the many cases of sexual abuse uncovered since the beginning of the hashtag MeToo movement, 
Say, since you believe that sexual abuse is wrong, would you consider believing in a God who has given sexual norms for the purpose of human protection and flourishing and will ultimately put an end to such sexual abuses through eternal judgment? If not, then how did you become to believe that sexual abuse is wrong? For where did the cultural consensus that taking sexual advantage of another person is wrong originate? Why is it good and proper to draw moral conclusions and execute judgment in cases of sexual abuse, even when it infringes on a person's freedom to act? It's like, what, what are you doing here? Like, what? This is like a real thing about like how to engage with people in this environment and culture, and it's like, what, this, oh my gosh. This is not gonna get you anywhere. Like, this is not moving forward. Like, don't, oh, especially with hostile people. It's, it's called hostile. This is an emotional environment most of the time. And any kind of like logical play on their own logical fallacies and, there are times and places and situations on the spectrum where that's appropriate. It is not here, and it's not in this place. Again, our goal is to have a conversation that two people enjoy a lot of times. A lot of times with hostile people, that's what we want to come out of at the end of the day. It's something where we can have a conversation where it's good, and they begin to like us a little bit more. <sighs> this is taking longer, so we're not going to do our discussion questions. <laughs> Sorry. We're, <laughs> we're not even gonna take a break, all right? So you can do a little 10 second break in your seat. I don't know if you need to move around or do that kind of stuff. You guys have had such good content that it's taken longer than I thought. You can stand up for a second if you want. Uh, but we're gonna do that. I actually need, Alan, I need you to help me. I forgot something. In my office, you know where my office is? Who knows where my office, okay. On my, the gray laptop on there is half-page handouts, as quickly as you can, and you come back with that. Are you going to get into like, do you talk about Jesus or do you talk about God? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't. Yeah. Know if one is more volatile yeah. than the other. Okay, so break time's over. That's all we got. That's all we got. As we come back from break, I wanted to show you guys something. This was brought to me. And you may remember last week I joked about how we use, uh, we use Noah's Ark as a children's story and how horrifying that is. And we put pictures of smiley, happy goats and giraffes and lions, we never show the people drowning. <laughs> well, uh, this book, Noah's Ark, the Brick Bible for Kids, which is a, a, a copyright-free way of saying the Lego uh, thing, you know, give credit to where credit's due. There's the drowning people. <laughs> they stay true to the Word of God, and we all like that, don't we? Uh, so, in your little storybook for kids, <laughs> There's all the people drowning, yes. They have that. 
Okay, well, you know, it's something to tuck your kids in at night with um, <laughs> stories of millions of people dying. So, okay, <clears throat> all right. What we're gonna do for the remaining time we have together is we're gonna look at a case study because all of this is, you know, I don't want this to be theory. I don't want this to be, you know, this academic conceptual stuff. I want us to look at real life and real situations and how that works. So, uh, my wife is furiously returning with my handouts because I clumsily forgot them. Uh, but we're gonna look at a case study. So to do that, let me give you some instructions. I want you to get into a group of three people because three is, is a biblical number. That's my only justification. We're gonna get in a group of three people. No spouses allowed in your groups. So spouses, you can't, come, you can't get in groups with other people. Then when you get in the group, introduce yourself. You may or may not know who the people are in your group. Say your name, I don't know what you do for a living, something like that. <laughs> Two quick questions. What's the best movie you've seen in the last year? What was your dream job as a child? Get to know each other a little bit. <coughs> get in some groups. Groups of three, you can turn your chairs toward each other. This is real flexible. Do that now. Thank you. Netflix or streamed it or anything? <laughs> DVD, VHS, nothing? Like, well, that counts. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so you've gotten to know the people in your group. Hopefully, uh, <coughs> you all are best friends now. You're ready to name them as the godparents of your children, all that kind of stuff. Here's what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do right here. Here's your case study. So what we have here on these handouts that we're gonna get, one per group, is you're going to look at a case study of a coworker named Rick. I don't have anything against Rick. I have an uncle Rick, but I don't know why I chose the name. But uh, this is a case study of a person named Rick. So what you're gonna do in your group is you're gonna read it together, and then you're going to answer the last question, which is what strategies or steps are necessary to make this happen. So look at the case study, read it together, kind of go over it, glean the details, and then talk to each other based on what we've learned, what do we do with Rick? How do we bring Rick closer to Jesus? So talk about that in your group. I'm gonna give you about 10 to 15 minutes to go over that together, so. Who wants to help me hand out? Yeah, one per group. All right, time's up. Let's get back together. Let's, uh, let's learn a bit from one another. <clears throat> you can turn your seats around if you want or else it'll be a long 10 minutes of strain in your neck. We don't want that to happen. So, what we have here is a coworker 
His name's Rick. Rick is uh, pretty easily identifiable as a hostile. How do we know Rick's a hostile? Yeah, he's teasing, making fun of, intentionally trying to provoke you, specifically around the fact that you're a Christian, you go to church, you do what Christians do, all that kind of stuff. So Rick's pretty easily identifiable as a hostile. So what do we do? What did you guys talk about in your groups? What do we do with Rick? Sorry? Okay, so yeah, we, I gave you a little clue there on, on what Rick likes and what he's into, and so it's clearly into baseball. Um, what do we have a little more details on baseball? St. Louis Cardinals, so. Yeah. You talked about what? Buying him tickets. Okay, now that's, that's a great idea. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, especially if we're gonna take, you know, a real life environment and say we live in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, it's not that far away. Do you think Rick's going to turn down a chance to go to a Cardinals game? Like, no. So, uh, I'm, not say, I'm not saying like, uh, I'm not saying cut back on your tithe or anything, but uh, invest some money into this. You know, buy some nice tickets to a Cardinals game, especially if the Cubs are in town or something like that where you know he's going he's gonna to do it. Because so, you got all the time driving there, you got the game, you got all the time driving back. It's like this. This could be a good time. You've got, you've got you've got that many hours though that you don't know which way it's going to go. You sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't recommend the Bible on CD on the way there and back. Uh, probably not best to download some Joel Olstein. I don't recommend that either. I don't recommend that in general. But um, probably not in this situation. Yeah. 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 You got to control yourself because at the end of the day, that's the only person you can control. Uh, to not get provoked, to not lean into his things, to learn to let it roll off your back, to not engage in those moments because there's nothing to be won in those moments. Remember, the rest of the office is watching too. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The rest of the office knows what these conversations are about and how you react and. You, that's your opportunity for testimonies that you'll probably never know and understand are in that moment based on how you react and how you do that. Well, I don't think I can ask Rick to go to a game with me. <laughs> so I thought about bringing him to the cruise. Okay. Helping him celebrate it at Cardinal Victory rather than Sure. Especially if you're both fans, that's easy. If you happen to be a Cubs fan, first we'll pray for you, and then second, uh, you could set up a little wager maybe if, if, you're, if you're a Cubs fan about, you know, if you guys win. If you have that common ground in baseball, there's going to be a lot of easy things to talk about. I mean, all of these case studies that we do are real people that I've known in my life or people that I did. So I, went, I worked with Rick for a while. When I was in L.A., I was teaching at a university there. Uh, Rick was my coworker. We had little cubicles. That's how I knew he was a baseball fan. And so the best conversations I had were Rick, with Rick were about the Tigers and the Cardinals. Uh, that was where those, those conversations began. And so it just so happened that a few years before, the Cardinals and the Tigers met in the World Series. And so we had that conversation a lot about how that worked and what happened and, and those kind of things. What else did we talk about with Rick? Well, he appears to be a loner. Could be, yeah. Yeah. 
It's possible. I mean, I, I, I put every detail in there for a reason, so I did want you to think about that, and I did want you to walk it through. Um, you know, to be real honest, for a male, that may or may not mean something, to not have pictures of family and all those kind of things. Just for a dude, may or may not mean something, but it's good to notice is, is the point. I'm glad you did, because it may be there's something going on there, especially if he's never brought it up or never talked about, never used my wife or you know, my kid or any of that kind of stuff. You gotta listen for what's not in his words as much as what's in them. Um, so there's probably something there. Now, do you go and just bring that up one day? Say, no, you just, right. <laughs> so you married or not, man, what's going on? You know, it's, just, it's not, the way to, not the way to approach these things. Uh, but it's something to keep in mind because you never know where that might come up. You never know where that might be a conversation. Yeah. Mm. And that'll be very telling. Yeah, it's a great one. So a non-Christian holiday, uh, invite them over, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's important to talk about this because we're talking about hostiles. What do we not invite them to? Yeah. Church is important, guys. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. But inviting a hostile person to church is just, it's just not a good idea. It's not appropriate strategy. The church has its place, and the church is hugely important, and the church is God's plan A, B, C, and D for the world, and there's no E. But um, it's not appropriate this place. So do we want them in our home? Absolutely. Do we want them to be around family and meet our sings, and we want them to engage with Christian people at other levels out in the work environment? Absolutely, but the church is not the place for that. It, if anything, the church is going to give them fuel for his fire, then that's not what we want. So it's probably not an appropriate invitation when dealing with hostile people. There will be others, and we'll get to those when they come. But with this one, I don't know. Emily? Yeah, I mean, venture into those waters if you feel comfortable, but yeah, understand you're walking into a minefield. Understand, especially the earlier in the relationship, the more dangerous that is. A lot of that stuff has to be earned. Uh, yeah, there, there are times where we can, we can veer into spiritual things, uh, but we gotta be careful. There's a name for those things, they're called transition environments. And it'll be a big topic that we talk about next week. <laughs> it's like we set that up, we didn't, but it's there. Uh, two big takeaways I want you to think about as we talk about hostiles. Number one, remember, 
most of the time, almost every time, I, I haven't yet run into an exception, that hostility comes from a place of pain. So as they do things that are hurtful and that hurt your feelings, all that kind of stuff, under, have the empathy to understand where that comes from. Second thing, again, realistically, best case scenario with a hostile person is a positive conversation. That's kind of what we're wanting to have. So how can I create a conversation that at the end we both enjoyed that moment? A lot of times it's what we're doing. And so trying to figure out where that is and what that is. Let me throw some uh, Bible here in at the end. <laughs> because I want you to get some homework and look at the stuff and look scripturally at it. The book of the Bible that tells us how to deal with hostiles is First Peter. Because Peter's talking to a, hostile, a, a church living in a hostile environment. And so uh, his teachings in that book, it's a short book, it's not hard to read through in a sitting, uh, tells us what to deal with when we're dealing with hostile people. Um, it's about how to, it's just explaining the hostile environment, dealing with rejection, being a witness in it. But one of the things that he talks about the most of all of it is learning to endure. Learning to just endure that situation in that moment. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you know about this, me, one of the nerdiest things about me is I'm a big Batman fan, and uh, one of my favorite scenes in all of Batman's cinematic history is this moment where Bruce Wayne is feeling overwhelmed <coughs> about all the things around him, and he said, and all this darkness, and all this evil, and all this kind of stuff, what am I supposed to do? And Alfred says, Master Wayne, endure. And so when we deal with the hostile people in our life, and as painful as that is, that's often what we are left with at the end, is just endure. So, read this stuff. It's important. It's what Jesus says to us. Thank you guys so much for being here. Next week, we're going to talk about evangelism, stone colds, and all that that entails. See you next week.